It's hard to maintain order in the court when a demon prince disrupts proceedings. Everyone knows that. The Thundermen have to deal with the uninvited guests, and then things just get worse. Like, way worse. A perilous journey is executed, a new plan is hatched, a cat eats more jerky. We listen to episode 23 of Taz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Hello everyone and welcome back to Talking Taz, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you as always is me, your host and producer PJ, and with me as always is my lovely co-host Lauren. Hello! Lauren, what do you think of this episode? I dug this episode. I know that we had a lot of court cases the last time, but this, like, it escalated so quickly. <laughs> did it, though? <laughs> I mean, I thought so. What did you, what did you think of it, then? I, it felt like filler. Really? Yeah, like, it felt like filler to me. What? No way! I, I did not Like, think we got a filler. piece of important information out of it, but, like, it didn't feel purposeful. Oh, oh man. I, I dug it. I thought it was super cool. I mean, it wasn't not cool. I'm not saying that, but I'm just trying to think of like the significance of it, and that's where I feel lacking. But let's not get too into it. Let's talk about what happened. Right, yeah. Travis starts the episode by explaining that the door that Gray walked through in the last episode is not like a physical door. It's more like ripped through the fabric of space, which like makes sense, because how else would he get in? Yeah, that's what I was imagining, too. So I'm glad that's what it was. Gray expresses that he's frustrated because the Commodore revealed they were in League together, but he needs a Commodore for the war. They, and he can't just kill the Thundermen, so he's unsure how to proceed. Mm. Fitzroy is kind of like, well, if you're going to have the Commodore, maybe that means there's going to be, like, water fighting. And But Argo seems pretty okay with that. Oh, yeah. No, Argo was, like, super excited <laughs> to take a battle onto the open seas. We've never done a sea battle, but I hear they're wild. I have never really... Like, literally, sea stuff in D&D bores me conceptually. Really? Like, every time I'm like, oh, people are, like, recommending this, like, module to me. And I'm like, oh, that looks cool. And then it's like, oh, it's it's on a s- coastal town. It's all sea fighting. Okay. Oh, I didn't. I mean, I've never thought of them like that. They seem super intense because you're essentially, if you're on a boat, you're essentially stranded, right? Yeah. So they seem to have higher stakes to me. That's how I've always seen them. I know, but I feel like you could commit those same stakes Without it having to be that, you know, like mm. the mad, like the, the infernal machines in Descendant Avernus, I think are a way cooler version of what oceanic battle would be. That's true. Yeah, those were intense. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe I'll, uh, I'll look into it and I'll find a mechanic for it that I like and you guys will fight on a boat and everyone will die. And then they'll be able to listen to this and be like, wow, it was Lauren's fault. Oh, my God. Everyone's going to you're automatically going into this just saying everyone's going to die. <laughs> That's bias. You I know what? Shade. I say that all the time, and you guys never die. So, <laughs> well, you you kill off my character at least two to three times a, a session. But that's just God killing him off. Oh, it's not you. That's the will of God. It's well, I in the world of D and D, I am God. So, well, I have no argument for that. Getting back to the problem, Gray laments that his link to the unbroken chain is also broken because they threw off all of his plans. Argo suggests maybe just surrendering to them, uh, and Fitzroy mentions that they are trying to build an army to fight in a great war, which is where Grey wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's basically like, you need to let us recruit who we want. Just because your mole sucked at being a mole, that's not on us. Which is a very fair point. Like, Grey told them, we're going to go to war, you have six months, but he keeps interfering with uh-huh. their with their own process of like, okay, look, we're trying to do what you told us to do, but yeah, you're stepping in. 
And he kind of realizes that and he's like, okay, fine, I'll leave you alone, but I am going to slow you down. And before he leaves, he does kind of turn to Fitzroy and he's like, hey, I mean, like, doors always open. I was grooming you 100% before this and I would still love you on the team. And Fitzroy's like, no, I'm like really loyal to the Thundermen, so maybe like go away. Oh my God. That, I mean, it didn't shake me because we saw that like Hieronymus, Phoronymus, I guess I should say, was very, very, very interested in Fitzroy. But I was very happy that Fitzroy chose the Thundermen. I never thought he wouldn't. I mean, we've talked about this before, but I I think he's always on that razor's edge, but he will always fall to the good side, especially really to the bad side. Yeah. And especially now that he like, has friends and people that he mm-hmm. cares about, I think that's becoming more and more true. Veerbolg threatens Gray by saying he will hear from their legal team. And he just <laughs> says, fine, uh, I'm going to take away the crate machine. Uh, no. <laughs> what? And Fitzroy does say that would be the worst thing that has ever happened to him in his life. Oh, my- I mean. But he also threatens him. He's like, well, you don't know what chaos has made me capable of. And I was like, mm, I know you guys have a similar magic source, but he is like a demon prince. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he's kind of a higher level than you. And he is in charge of an entire dimension, right? Like, yeah, Hieronymus well, like, Higglemist A hell dimension. That. How, like the, their version of the levels of hell. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, he's like about to leave and Fearbolg just stealthily casts Ice Knife against the Commodore, which I was not expecting the Fearbolg to do that. I wasn't, in the I wasn't either. But as soon as he did it, I was like, all right, I back you. I'm in this. Let's do it. And even more so, I was proud of them for finally doing Ice Knife correctly. They did. <laughs> because they I've did. literally yelled on this podcast before being like, they're supposed to have splash damage. What is wrong with you people? I remember that conversation. What, God, was that back in the imp hospital? I think so. Yeah, it like they didn't cast it correctly, but they did no, here. they and... didn't cast it correctly like twice in a row. That's true. But he finally read it. <laughs> they finally read it. They did it here. He did some pretty serious damage. Yeah, it was 24 damage total to the Commodore, uh, much less to, to Gray, who succeeded on his deck save. And since the Commodore is frozen, I like that they kind of like flavor it, that it's almost like, you know, frostbite damage. Yeah, and even Travis was like, this will have a lasting impact on the Commodore. I was like, yeah. good for you, Trav. But it obviously upsets Gray. He's like, oh, well, if that's how you're going to be, then that's how I'm going to be. And Fearbulg, Mosh, Ramos, and Crabtree are hit by onyx daggers that hit them in the shoulders and immediately poison them. Oh, God. The numbness is creeping further into their bodies as time passes, too. So we're definitely on a time limit here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Fearbulk says that if the Unbroken Chain was in any doubt <laughs> as to uh, who the bad guy was and if they were at war, hopefully this has cleared that up for them. And I was like, oh, that's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was um, something I wouldn't have brought up in the conversation, but I'm glad the Fearbulk did. As Gray rips another doorway and disappears with the Commodore, Fitzroy and Argo both try to study the rip trying to decipher basically anything they can. And they both roll well on perception, and they see that inside looks like a literal nightmare. All the angles are wrong. It's very, uh, you know, it's very like an abstract painting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not what a nightmare is to me, but okay. <laughs> okay, so then what is a nightmare to you? I mean, like, <laughs> if I woke up tomorrow, I guess, and the world had, like, weird angles and weird colors, I would be like, wow, I'm in, like, some weird alternate reality. But I mm. want to be like, a nightmare hath befallen me. I That is how you speak all the time. So That, that is how I speak. <laughs> whenever I'm not on the podcast, this is just my podcast voice and my podcast demeanor. Right. Whenever I'm not on the podcast, I'm like, wherefore art thou, Chachitos? <laughs> <laughs> well, Shakespeare is your favorite writer, so that makes sense. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you're a bard and he's the great bard. So like, yeah, it all fits. Or am I just or... Shakespeare? <gasps> I have never Immortal seen. Immortal Shakespeare. I have never seen you and Shakespeare in the same room together. You haven't. Shakespeare decided to uh, eventually become a chubby Hispanic man uh, <laughs> that lives in a one bedroom apartment in Orange County. <laughs> Well, that he probably inevitable you dream. probably had it with like all of the fame and fortune and like you've yeah, gotten, yeah 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 who loves money not me no you got like all the really fancy cars and the big houses like out of your system and now you're just oh, like yeah, I want the simple sure. life the simple life with Paris Hilton <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is, is oh my god Lauren you're so uncultured. No, this one I'll give you. The Simple Life was a show where Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie went around and like lived on farms and stuff and like tried to live the simple life because they're both heiresses, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I I know that. And it was wild. It was a weird, weird reality show. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what you're doing. Yeah, I'm living the simple life with Shakespeare as PJ. And and doing this podcast. <laughs> and doing this podcast. This was the ultimate goal was to do a podcast. But I mean, back to the question. I mean, like, what do I consider a nightmare? It's usually something trying to murder me, I guess. So technically this would be a nightmare because there are demons in there. There are demons. Yeah. But I get what's what your you're biggest, saying. What's, what's your nightmare, Lauren? Oh, God. Um, Probably. Well, it's definitely a place with like no books or education where you're just like in this endless loop. Kind of like uh, Alabama. Uh, you know yeah (laughs) alabama or like you know the bunker that kimmy schmidt is kept in where you're just you know hidden away and you can't get out and you think that Mm. this is all that there is but there's not that's how i feel anytime i'm waiting in line anywhere anywhere yeah (laughs) especially the dmv especially the dmv so it's gotten a little better with the pandemic it's honestly it's gotten so much better with the pandemic they need to like keep these things going forever yes i 100 percent agree i was in and out within five minutes when i had to go it was the most magical trip to the dmv i've ever had in my life <laughs> you know what who would have ever sunk it you know i yeah i would prefer the dmv to this hellscape that the boys are in yeah. right now as gray disappears into it the special doorway that leads back to the forge and the school also closes Ugh. trapping everyone in the cavern Yikes. With four people poisoned and clearly on a time limit. So not not great news. Not great news. And I will say this does, it's more exciting than a sea battle. So, so far you're right. They don't have to have a sea battle. All they do is sea battle. Um, I Yeah, there's there's more. <laughs> Argo does a medicine check on the fear bulk and is able to kind of like slow down and the bleeding and remove the dagger. But the poison is obviously still in his system. Mm-hmm. Fitzroy asks if there's any way to open the door or for some other way to leave. And Jackal does explain that Higglemiss was actually the one that created the door. And he's obviously not here to help make a new one. Oh, Hig. He's part of the... Unbroken Chain, apparently. Unbroken Chain, yeah. They're very fortunate that Marie, the school nurse, is part of the Unbroken Chain, so she is here to help out. She can't obviously cure them, but she can maybe try to slow things down for a bit. That's good. Uh, All the time we can buy is always good. And she is obviously able to start off with the fear bulg and get him back on his feet uh, and then moves on to everyone else. Good, good. I feel better. (laughs) We stand Marie now, right? I mean, I know Eh. last time we got upset because she was cancel culturing Fitzroy, but... No, she's over. Maria's over party. (laughs) What happened to don't cancel people who don't deserve? Yeah, you know what? I changed my mind. (laughs) No, she's she's fine now. I like her. Okay, good. I like her too. Fitzroy, I mean, I liked her by the end of the last episode too. Oh yeah, no, I know. But I was just double checking. 
that we still do like her. Fitzroy looks for the spectral cat who is still there with them. Flint says he named the cat Schrodinger, which is which I like, obviously. Yeah, that's really funny. Uh, he introduces the cat to Snippers, which I was like, mm, excuse me, they know each other. They've cuddled on the bed before. We've seen that. We've thought about it. Uh, yeah, no, they're adorable. Uh, and then they kiss, and I was like, yeah, because they cuddled on the bed earlier, but that doesn't actually happen. <laughs> But okay, so they joke about stuff happening, but then it doesn't happen. But it's yeah. jokes by the content creators. So is that a different universe where it did happen? Or is it kind of like, what are those? Those divination wizards where they portent, where they see it happening, and then they decide it doesn't happen? You've given me a lot to think about. <laughs> You've hurt my head, and I have to go take a nap now. So the podcast is now over. Oh, well, end of the talk and jazz, I guess. All right. Uh, well, we'll see you guys next Thursday <laughs> when we're once again. No, that's fine. <laughs> Between Snippers and the Fear Bulk Speak with Animals, the cat asks for more fish jerky, obviously, because why wouldn't you? It's amazing. Of course. And after eating it, disappears, but reappears a moment later. So not without uh, an instance of pretty much all of the Unbroken Chain being like, um, what the hell's wrong with you guys? You're just talking to this cat. <laughs> I mean, I... I've met a lot of people who talk to animals, so I wouldn't think anything's wrong with it, but I'm not in the Unbroken Chain. There you go. Unbroken Chain. Known cat haters. <gasps> Pass it on. <laughs> but it reappears a moment later with a mirror on a chain around its neck, with which Fitzroy takes. A voice from the mirror introduces themselves as Hig and asks if Fitzroy is there. Fitz is pretty thrown off by the name Hig, and he's like, well, my name's Miss, you know that. But when I was younger, I went by Hig, and now I'm younger again, so it feels right to go by Hig again. And I also like that Travis does voice him younger. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I will only ever refer to him as Hig from now on. I have a couple of times in the past because there was someone else who referred to him as Hig. I've definitely referred to him as Hig, but that's just because I naturally nickname people. Yeah, I think you, you've you done it before I heard you do it. And there was like one character who did it and I was into that. But now that it's this like established canon, he prefers or likes to go by the name Hig. It's all I'm ever calling him. Hig has good news and bad news. Bad news, he can't just open the door. But good news, he can instruct Fitzroy on how to open the door. Mm-hmm. Secondary bad news, he'll have to move through a hell dimension Secondary good news, it's not that far. And I was like, huh, this is like not even the first time that Higgle misses had bad news, good news, bad news, good news. The first time was the apple or was it something else? It was something earlier. I don't remember exactly what the situation was, but there was a situation where I think it was him, but he had a like bad news, good news, worse news, better news. Like it was something like that. <laughs> so when Hig gives information, it's always just in a good news, bad news setup. I'm I'm but it's never that. just good news, bad news. It's it's always something else, yeah. Fitzroy wonders if they'll survive in a hell dimension, understandably. And Hicks says they will if they move fast and stealthily enough and reiterates that it's like only 100 yards. <laughs> only 100 yards. I am very bad at understanding space and like the numbers associated with it. Is that a football field? 100 yards is a football field. Okay. If you just give me the numbers, my brain can't comprehend that. If you give me like a football field like you just did now i completely understand that's the american in you is it really i only understand math and football fields no i'm not saying that how many football fields is that no 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 i'm saying i need you know dimensions you can't just throw numbers at me my brain doesn't absorb numbers (laughs) sure sure 
Hank teaches Fitzroy the moves, which we are assured are very Doctor Strange looking. <laughs> and the boys talk to their plan to get through the hell dimension and verify who's going with them. I do like this thing that Travis does because I do this thing as a DM sometimes too, where I'm like, well, sure, there might be like a DC involved with this thing that you're about to do. And it might be like, quote unquote, hard. If you have nothing else to do and nothing stopping you time wise, I'm not going to have you roll for 30 minutes. Like, eventually you got it, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Like recently, and for our listeners that are in my game, you this gives you a time stretch to realize how far, how sometimes far in advance these episodes are recorded. Yeah, there were four chains on the ground that needed to be broken. Yeah, and each one has like its own DC. And if you do it wrong, you're blown back this amount of feet. Like it's a whole thing. But I was like, you guys have nothing but time. Like I'm just gonna say this took you 30 minutes, and it's done. That's right. I remember you doing that, which. I'm very grateful for it. I'm grateful that Travis did it here too. Cause like, yeah, I can roll for 20 minutes trying to break this chain or make this portal. But ultimately, if I'm just going to get it, just give it to me. Yeah. And obviously like if there's things where it's like, and there's someone chasing you, like I'm going to have you do it because it's like, because what if you don't make it in time or something like that? But if you got nothing but time in your hands, then let's not waste our real lifetime. Exactly. I mean, you, within that very same session, I wanted to study something mid combat and you were like, no, that's not how that works. You have to choose what you do. <laughs> and I mean, I'm always okay with people like doing checks as free actions, but it's like you literally could not possibly gleam enough information about this thing in six seconds. Yeah, no, I what I was asking for was beyond the time limit given. It's not like I was glancing at it. My character wanted to study it and you were like, Yeah, because no. the way I figure like free skill checks is essentially like there are six seconds in combat. You could maybe take one or two seconds to like peer over at something or do something really quickly, like Mm -hmm. just insight or maybe a quick perception. But if it's going to take any longer than two seconds, like, you know, it's going to be more than that. It's either going to be your full action or that's it. Exactly. So I feel you're very fair when it comes to when you make us roll versus no, just story wise, you do this. We're moving on. I think it's just about where it fits realistically, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, the Thundermen are all game to go through, and Jackal agrees to go along with them. Fitzroy turns all of them invisible, but it does cost him all of his remaining spell slots. Which sucks. Hig tells them they might come across pit fiends, hellhounds, etc. Anything that reasonably come across in a hell dimension. Mm-hmm. As well as kind of just the psychic issues of being in a hell dimension. So they kind of have to move pretty fast. Yeah, this episode is all about time. It's all about speed, baby. Speed, baby. Fitzroy speaks the incantation, performs the correct hand gestures, and opens a portal to which Travis calls a nightmare. Mm-hmm. They step through and the air burns them, not like fire, but through almost like a chemical reaction. Mm. It was gross. And they all make wisdom saving throws, which they all do well on, especially Fearbulg, but not especially Argo who fails. Yikes. Fitzroy and Fearbulg are able to push their discomfort aside, but Argo is overwhelmed by what's happening and almost wants to kind of just curl into a ball. Same. And Clint, you know, is just really rolling with, like, the situation. Like, you know, he's like, hey, this is breaking you mentally. And he's like, okay, that's how I'll play it. He'll play it pretty straight. Yeah, no, he really embraces. He's re- We've talked about this before, right? And even Clint was like, I've really embraced acting more Yeah. in this because of how much Justin brings to the table. And Clint is doing a really, really good job. Yeah. Uh, because of this, the fear bulb picks up Argo, which slows him down a little, but he's able to carry him. They could see a rock formation that Hig described to them where the second portal needs to be cast 100 yards away. Or one there football two... field away. Or one football field <laughs> away. <laughs> there are two paths. One is over higher ground, which will leave them more exposed, but is an easier path. And the second gives more cover, but looks more difficult to traverse. 
At first, they decided to take the easier path because of, you know, they're invisible. Mm -hmm. But Fitzroy, luckily at the final moment, remembers that pit fiends have true sight and can see through their illusion. So he drops the invisibility spell and laments, you know, obviously having wasted all of his spell slots. I can so relate in the most recent session that we keep talking about. I did not realize <laughs> the creature I was fighting had true sight. So, or was able to see through darkness. I and forget. magical dark vision, yeah. Magical dark vision. So I I cast darkness and for it turns out nothing. So I get it. It sucks when that happens, but it yeah. does happen. And I mean, sometimes I like, I try to be a little nice about it sometimes where like, I'm like, roll me insight real quick just to see if you could for some reason. I mostly do that with our wizards though, because like our wizard would have more insight into what arcanically works against enemies. Mm -hmm. You as our rogue using like your one a day spell, it's harder yeah. to know that. And also like, I know you're about to go to rest. So, like I don't super care if you waste it. <laughs> it's true yeah but you know sometimes i do try to be a little nice like not even because i'm like uh i don't i like i'm trying to protect your feelings but it's literally like i know how much it sucks to lose a spell slot and i know how angry you're gonna be if you lose a spell slot so let's just kind of work through this <laughs> exactly and if it turns out that you roll low then the dice decided for you so yeah. if you roll a seven on your inside check guess what you are still going to attack that creature that has pure resistance to that attack you just did Yep, and you'll learn something for next time, but you will lose yeah. a spell slot. Yeah. And it sucks, but at least I gave you a chance. Exactly. <laughs> but luckily he remembers that, and so they decide to go with the path that's going to give them more cover, but is more difficult, and they all roll stealth, and Fearbulg and Argo do good this time, but Fitzroy now not once. Uh, so as the party's on their way, Fitzroy slips when he loses his footing, and all of his weapons and armor clang loudly, and he hears the howls of hellhounds Ooh. and instructs everyone to run. <laughs> uh, they roll athletics, which they all joke about because literally, like, literally just a moment ago, Travis was like, you probably won't need to roll athletics. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Justin was the one who was the most like upset about having to roll athletics but Travis is like you guys decided to run I can't have you just do that without <laughs> rolling Fitzroy and Jack will make their way quickly and deftly but the fear bulk is a little slower just because he's carrying Argo mm -hmm. Fitzroy makes it to the rock formation and from the high vantage point he could see hellhounds 30 yards behind the fear bulk who is still 20 yards away from him he kind of rolls he rolls perception and he Rolls pretty well, and he can see an Onyx Palace in the distance, and pretty safe guess it's Gray's home. Mm -hmm. He does see a portal which is much more definite and large than the one he's creating, and through the portal he can see Nua, and determines it's probably the Godscar Chasm. Which makes sense, right? It appeared 50 years ago when all of this like big battle was happening, yeah. so a direct connection between Gray's home and the Godscar Chasm makes sense. Yeah. A silhouette is standing there, but he can't really make it out. The fear bulk eventually reaches Fitzroy and he opens the second portal. Jackal quick on his heels. Fitzroy looks back and the fear bulk is struggling to get to him before getting eaten by hellhounds. Yikes. Uh, but Fitzroy reaches through, pulling the fear bulk and Argo to safety. But a hellhound is able to make its way through. But before it can do anything, its head is quickly chopped off by a sword. And the boys look up to their savior as we see Hieronymus Wickenstaff. He reaches down to help them stand. You know, it's very heroic. Oh, yeah. No, he's like living up to the image that Hig has of his brother, where he's yeah. just like this great hero that's been in Nua for centuries. So I mm -hmm. was I was really glad to be able to see this moment because I've only ever seen him as like a dog. So yeah. it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dog. A dog. <laughs> 
I don't understand that reference. It's a reference to the film Teen Witch. Not seen it. Which is very good. Uh, it is a very cheesy film from the 1980s. Uh, Or early 1990s, depending on when it might have come out. And everyone, it's, you know, it's very cheesy. It's exactly like the type of movie you think it would be. But there is like the little brother of the girl. He's just kind of, he's acting up a storm. He's like eating every scene whole. Yeah. You know? And at one point he turns to his sister and he's like, you think you're hot stuff because you went to a dance, but you're not. You're a dog. A dog. (laughs) And it's just so extra. And it is like, has always been a reference that I like have made with Skylar. But recently Skylar and Casey, who um, are my wife and current roommate, uh, watched it. And now it's like become a household (laughs) reference. (laughs) Well, now it's going to be a reference on here too. So we're just going to keep passing it on until (laughs) it becomes a thing again. Uh, So good. The members of the Unbroken Chain all head to Marie's office to get tended to, and the Thundermen follow to heal Fearbulg and check on Argo. Marie heals everyone of their poison, and she takes a little bit more time to heal Argo, and is successful, but he's exhausted. Fitzroy ensures the hospital door is closed and tells everyone what they're dealing with. Mosh wants to know what they can do to help, and Fitzroy admits that he's never planned a war before and wonders if anyone in the room has won a war, and no one has, which probably means, based on the ages of everyone, that there has not been war in a long time. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like at least 50 years, right? At least 50 years. A lot of these characters aren't the types of races that live for a long time. It's just Higglemas and Hieronymus, right? They're elves. Yeah. So that tracks that no one would know what's going on. Yeah. Jackal and Mosh suggest they talk to Oz, though not the great and powerful. No, not the great and Uh, powerful. (laughs) But Osmondeus, which was an interesting thing. I was like, I was like, oh, that's like a play on Osmandius. Like, I get it, but like, interesting. I don't get it. What's Osmandius? Oh, like, I mean, so like Osmandius is a lot of things. I think there's like an old like Greek thing that it's originally based off of. Okay. But like Osmandius is also like one of the characters from Watchmen. I have not seen or read Watchmen. Osmandius is like the super smart superhero type. The Tony Stark Bruce Wayne type? Kind of ish. He is like a total billionaire and he's all about like plotting and stuff, right? Okay, okay. But I think the original Osmandius is is some epic story. Like it's famous to some extent, right? Mm. Uh because I know it's also like the name of like one of the finale episodes of Breaking Bad, and it's probably a reference to something that happens there. I don't know. I'll look more into Osmandius. That'd be good, because you're teaching me a lot. I mean, you teach me a lot anyway. But this guy's name is not Osmandius. It's Osmandalius. It is. And he is the Warforged strategy professor, which they haven't met because he teaches higher level classes. They admit Oz isn't easy to talk to, but it is good at its job, which we do learn uh, it has it pronouns. Yes. They, it, them, it. They, them, it. Yeah. We've met a lot of they, thems in this yeah. campaign. Good for Trav. Yeah. Argo wonders if there's a way to tell if someone has been touched by a demon, but Travis jokes that there's no way to cast spells to make people tell the truth. Oh my god. Like, what would that be? Like, some sort of zone? That you can tell the truth in? (laughs) Ugh. God, I I wonder what that would be. (laughs) God. I wonder if they could, like, cast that just, like, Mm, all the time. All the time. All the time. Even when it's not necessary. Especially when it's not necessary. They would need, like, a cleric to do it, though. You would, yeah. An extreme teen cleric, if you were. (laughs) (laughs) I miss those boys. I do, too. (laughs) 
Fitzroy, leaning a little into his villainous tendencies, says he's not really interested in fighting a war and is much more interested in killing Grey in his sleep. And I was like, good for you. He says he saw Grey's house in the Hell Dimension, so it's doable. Hieronymus says he's on board, but if Grey catches wind of his plan, he's probably not going to wait the rest of the six months and just launch an attack. Yeah. And it's not going to be for fun, the fun of war, quote unquote. It's going to be to murder them. Yeah, that would be straight up like a revenge plot as opposed yeah. to this grandiose war that he's been planning for ever. Fitzroy understands and isn't underestimating Grey at all, but as long as everyone can keep a secret, they'll be fine. And then they're like, oh, wait. Oh, no. And the fear book's just like, this is not ideal. <laughs> Uh, but you know and that's where the episode ends that is where it ends i thought it was crazy fun i liked all of the time stamps i think it's super fun i just think like at the end of the day all we got out of this was we know where his house is now and we got that after an hour and a half of something stuff you know yeah i get that but there are some sessions where that happens right like they got to go to the hell dimension, which was terrifying. They did figure out that there is like an active portal in between Gray's home and the Godscar chasm. He did find out where Gray's home is, like you said. And there was that that silhouette standing in the portal. Do you think that was Gray? I thought that was Gray. I think it's Gray, but it could also be something that we'll find out in like 12 episodes. Like a pit fiend? That pit fiend? No, that, oh, I no. think it'll be something more interesting than that. Are you saying pit fiends aren't interesting? Cause... Not in the slightest. They're powerful, but they're boring. <laughs> they're powerful, but they're boring. We have a lot of pit fiends that listen to this podcast that are like so offended right now. You know what? Cancel me if you want. I don't want pit fiends listening to our podcast. You know what? I will take that stance with you. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and on that controversial yet brave note... Uh, We're going to have to end the episode. We hope you had a good time listening. But until next time, I've been PJ. I have been Lauren. And we'll see you next Thursday when we are once again talking Taz. Uh